Welcome to Your Empowered Evolution, a podcast dedicated to women in midlife. I'm your host, Stephanie Mitchell. My hope is to help change the narrative around transitions we experience in our 40s and 50s. Perimenopause and menopause don't have to be a total pain. We may encounter challenges from time to time, but we can create our best lives by understanding the changes we are experiencing by putting a variety of practices into place. Let's choose to stay strong, to be mindful, and to live our most feisty life. You deserve it. Let's go, ladies. All right. Hello, everybody. I'm so excited for my conversation today. I am talking with a very longtime friend, Leslie Coates Burpee. She is a therapist, cognitive behavioral therapist who focuses on anxiety, OCD, and depression in adults. We share a love of reading, learning, growing, and understanding. We met when our kids were in preschool at the tender age of two years old. We've watched them grow together. Um, and now they're 15. They're sophomores in high school and we're freaking out. Um, but we're going to talk today and have a great conversation, no doubt, about the book called How Emotions Are Made, The Secret Life of the Brain by Lisa Feldman Barrett. She's uh, a professor up at Northeastern right outside of Boston, or maybe it's in downtown Boston. I can't remember. Um, but anyway, a great book. Leslie, I'm so pumped you're here today. Oh my gosh, Steph. It is such an honor. <laughs> I'm so excited. Thank It'll you be for fun. having me. So tell me about how you... I know you're a cognitive behavioral therapist, but talk to me about what made you find this book. Like what, what sparked the interest? Yeah, I, I guess I'm always on the lookout for, for anything to read that helps me better explain to my clients, um, why what's happening is happening and particularly why what they're feeling is happening and how that is shaped by how we think. Mm -hmm. and uh, what we do. So this book really struck me as an interesting um, opportunity to learn a little bit more. I mean, it's very technical as far as how the brain works, but it really helped me um, understand why, you know, when I say something to someone like, well, you know, feelings aren't facts mm -hmm. or what we are feeling happens first in the body. You know, I, I believed all of that to be true. I knew that anecdotally to be true, but I could never really explain more technically why feelings aren't facts or you know, why we experience feelings in the body first. It's, so this, this book helps me explain some of those things in greater detail and actually helps people understand a little bit more about why they think the way they do or feel the way they do. Ooh, what is like, I don't know, the single greatest takeaway from this or is there, are there three, are there four? I mean, tell me. Yeah, <clears throat> there are. There are so many. Um, one of the main things is that, you know, I've, I've always talked about emotions as being triggered by things or mm. you know, evoked by something I think or something we do. Um, but it turns out like emotions are not really triggered. They're, they're constructed. And I'll explain a little bit more about what I mean by that. But that one of the biggest takeaways for me was that, wow, um, all the primary emotions that we've defined in Western right. culture, like anger, sadness, jealousy, fear, um, those are those are actually not universal human emotions. Um, they are very specific to our culture. And oh. if you look, I know it's crazy. If you look at other cultures around the world, um, 
gosh, some cultures don't even have a, a concept for anger. Tahitians, for example, don't have a concept for sadness. Um, they have other, oh. other words, other wow. concepts. Okay. But if we don't have a word, we don't necessarily know to acknowledge some of the things we're feeling. Right, right. Um, it's, it's really hard to <clears throat> believe, but we are, as it turns out, um, architects of our own experiences. We create um, the experience of fear, for example. Right. And what informs our experiences? Does it speak to that in this book? Does it talk about like, yes. you might experience this as a result of these environmental factors, maybe your upbringing? Like, is it, is it to me that makes sense, but is it that easy or is there a little bit more to it? Well, it's, it's kind of both. Um, really, we form emotion based on um, our past experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, things that feelings we've had in, in similar situations in the past. Mm -hmm. So past experience plus culture, we're right. sort of socialized to assume that we can feel that we feel either anger or sadness or fear or jealousy mm -hmm. or happiness. Um, but if we grew up in another part of the world, we would be socialized to, to conceptualize what we feel as different mm -hmm. things. Um, wow. and so, um, it's, it's a combination of what we've experienced in the past and what, what um, is happening in our environment, um, what we are experiencing in, in our bodies, like the sens specific sensations that we're experiencing, right. um, plus culture. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, if you can really delineate um, mm -hmm. what specific sensations you're feeling in your body, um, it, you might, have more information about what's going on emotionally. Like I know she tells a story, this author um, tells a story of when she was in college and she was um, studying in the library and a, a classmate comes up to her and um, asks her out on a date. And she was thinking, oh, I'm not really attracted to this guy. I, you know, he's nice enough, but I don't really think of him that way, but whatever, I have to go eat dinner anyway. So I'll just, I might as well go. And she goes to dinner and pretty soon she starts feeling a little bit like queasy or sort of butterflies in her stomach. And she was, she started thinking, oh gosh, maybe I do like this guy. Like maybe I have to give it more of a chance. I don't know. And so she sort of plays along, like maybe gets a little flirtier or, you know, is really starting to question her initial impression of him and then goes home and says, you know, that was nice. It was nice enough. Okay. Maybe I'll consider going out with him again. Although I'm not really sure. Long story short, she wakes up in the middle of the night with the stomach flu. <laughs> what she was experiencing was just the stomach flu. But think about like, I mean, gosh, that that sensation of feeling nauseous right. can happen in a million different right. conditions. Right. And the what what is unique to us is the meaning that we make of the sensations that we're feeling. And you and I can have two totally different meanings associated with nausea or butterflies in the stomach or anything like that based on based on your past experience. Right, right. Oh, based on wow. what you've experienced in the past and based on what you conceptualize as right. nauseous. So um, does understanding these things help us? Like if you and I are sitting, you know, we have a, a group that we meet with, you know, it's becoming more regular now that COVID is not behind us, but we're moving on a little bit. 
let's say we're having a conversation. Does, does this, does understanding this information help us understand one another more in a conversation? Like if we're bothered by something, does just kind of knowing that not always are we going to be able to relate one another. I just, I find it interesting, like how some people can get really dragged down by something and where it's like something might bother you. It might not bother me. That hasn't happened. But like, just to give an example to our listener, something could really weigh heavily on you. And I'm kind of like, what's the big deal, but based on your past experience. Yes. So, so let me back up a little bit. Um, (laughs) this is, this is what's so remarkable about this book. There's so much earth shattering information. I get ahead of myself, but really, um, we, we don't actually, um, spend our, our days and nights thinking what we do. I mean, the brain is actually running millions and millions of simulations, Mm. um, which is why it's so easy to imagine how something is going to play out or to be so like focused on, um, what, what something's going to look like in the near future, meaning why it's so easy to get anxious, right? Because our brain is constantly predicting Mm. what resources we're going to need in our bodies, like which muscles am I going to need in order to carry out this anticipated function? Like if I'm about to go, um, give a presentation, for example, I'm all, my brain unconsciously is already like predicting how much energy am I going to need? How much cortisol am I going to need? Which muscles will I need to engage? And this is all happening unconsciously, but your brain is constantly running these simulations in order to predict what we are going to need to feel. Right. So yes, your experience is going to be very, very unique to you mm-hmm. and mine will be unique to me. And what's another enormous takeaway from this book for me was that, you know, the, the primary uh, kind of fundamental part of therapy is the capacity to um, experience empathy, to really understand what someone else is feeling and not just to understand it, but to be able to step inside someone else's experience. That's how we're trained. But what I'm learning um, through this book and through other people who've written about this, um, including Brene Brown, is that who am I to assume that I know just by looking at someone's face mm-hmm. or what they're saying, that I know what they're feeling. Empathy is, is incredibly important, but it's not the only information. My job as a therapist or our job as, as people who care about one another is not just to in, interpret what someone's facial expression looks like, mm-hmm. but to be curious, to ask questions. What, what is happening? What are you feeling? Oh my gosh. Okay. That's great. I was going to ask my question was what questions do we ask? Because, and what happens? I'm going to use this example. So we have a mutual friend and she'll be on the podcast soon, but she totally called me out one day. She was like, (laughs) Hey, girlfriend, when you say you're okay, I really know you're not. Uh Yeah. (laughs) I, I don't, don't text me. You're okay. Don't say I'm fine. Cause mm-hmm. I know you're not, mm-hmm. but let's say I see that in a friend. Let's say I know somebody's not fine. And, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to ask is like, you know, how do you respect boundaries? Like I know, 
-hmm. you know, when you're talking with friends and, and this conversation, like just to the listener, I'm just kind of talking about with your close people, like you're asking these questions, or maybe it's with a coworker, like, how do you know when it's okay to ask if you're really okay? Like if somebody's yeah. saying they're fine, are they really going to go deep? I mean, it took me a long time to get to a point where I feel comfortable sharing things. Um, yeah, that's such, that's such a good question. You know what I'm saying? Like what, yeah. when is the right time? Is it okay? You know, and I've known that friend for like almost 20 years. I know, <laughs> and she I was know. like, I, I know you're not fine. And I'm like, well, why have you been waiting so long to tell me I'm not fine? Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah. so when is an okay time? You know, I know in a, in a, in a relationship between therapist and client, you have that sacred safe space, right? Mm -hmm. But you know, in community with your, with your people, let's say, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when is it okay? Or when is it not okay? You know, yeah. are there, are there, does this book give that? Or is there just like, um, yeah, you know, I, this book is very, um, uh, academic and okay. it's, it's less yeah. clinical in that it's, it's less focused on, it's less, um, for, uh, therapists as much as, as it is for, um, other, um, I mean, she speaks to therapists for sure, mm -hmm. but she, it's for other people who are studying the brain okay. and who really want to understand the construction of emotion. Gotcha. Um, and you know, I guess my answer is it, de it depends. It's okay. Satisfying answer, but, but it depends on the relationship that you have with the person. Okay. If, if you are, I guess the point really is not to assume that what you see in front of you in facial configuration or facial expression is exactly what you think it is or what it right. might look like to you. Okay. Um, she tells some stories and she cites some really interesting studies on um, facial expression around the world. And she actually uses the um, Boston Marathon bomber as an example. Um, he, <clears throat> he was on trial obviously. Um, and during his sentencing hearing, uh, apparently the jury looked at him and saw no remorse. They saw a completely cold, stone-faced expression, which informed how they chose a, a death penalty versus a, a life sentence. And her point is that if, if we had more cultural competence, if that jury knew a whole lot more about uh, Chechen culture, it's from Chechnya, um, they might be able to factor in that in Chechen culture, it is it is uh, considered admirable or or um, valiant to be stoic in the face of you know facing your 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 consequences. You are to be brave and courageous and stone faced, and that is a marker of of high character when you are about to be held accountable for something. Wow, right, and so it it. It gives, you know, not that I am um, in any way uh, suggesting that his sentence should be any different than from, from than what it was, but her her broader point is just like we have we cannot assume mm -mm. that what someone's facial expression looks like is enough information. Right. Right. And when someone says like I'm fine, you know, that it's time and place and and uniqueness of that relationship that can tell you whether it's, it's, um, okay to, to be a little bit more curious about like, oh gosh, are you really okay? Um, yeah. it just depends. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. I just, it's so funny. You think about 
you know, here we are in midlife and we're going through a lot of feelings like a, we have our hormones messing mm-hmm. with us. And mm-hmm. then there's a lot of changes in our lives. I mean, I know you're getting ready to have your oldest go off to college. Yeah. You know, you, you help take care of your parents who are local. Mm-hmm. Um, like everybody has a lot going on. You know, you, I would imagine you bring home some of the weight of your clients on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, who knows, right? Like there's just, mm-hmm. everybody has a lot. Yeah. And it is interesting. Like we can all just say we're fine, but we're not always really yeah. fine. There's well, really right. a lot. And some, right. And sometimes we are just fine. Um, right. and, and, you know, another thing I used to say a lot is, okay, fine. is not a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can we ask that question? How are you feeling? Like, yeah, how are yeah. you really feeling? Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like this, this sort of, um, social, uh, you know, norm for us. Like, how are you, how are you doing? And a a normal kind of natural answer is I'm doing fine instead of how are you feeling? Yeah. Which might be, I'm okay. I'm feeling kind of tired. Like there, it might be easier to lean into a a deeper answer when you ask how someone is feeling. Right. Um, and the other, like one other takeaway that, that, that reminded me of is that, um, the reason that our brains are constantly making all of these predictions and trying to anticipate whatever um, re- like internal resources we're going to need is because the brain is always trying to balance what she calls the body budget. Um, I've I've talked in a, anecdotally. My friends will will attest to this too. But like I've said so often, like okay, I need to I need to you know um, manage my energy budget. And I was always speaking kind of um, facetiously, but it turns out I was apparently right about that. (laughs) Like we are, the brain is always trying to anticipate how much, again, like how much cortisol are we going to need? How much energy am I going to need to do this anticipated task? And so the thing that is helpful in balancing our body budgets um, is to get really, really, really specific about what we're feeling. because otherwise it takes more energy to compensate for, for a prediction that, that was inaccurate. So wow. let me give you an example. So if I am able to delineate like, okay, I'm feeling dejected or I'm feeling um, um, deflated about something, that's a, that's a lot more specific than me saying, I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling right. tired. Right. Um, and when I tell myself I'm feeling sad, my brain is saying, okay, sad. I think that means you're supposed to cry. Or I think in the past, what, what you've needed to do when you're sad is to um, isolate. But if I say to myself, gosh, if I really kind of drop down and wonder like, okay, which, what sensations am I feeling in my body? Where am I feeling it? Gosh, I feel this kind of heaviness in my shoulders. I'm really feeling... I'm feeling pretty dejected about how the, you know, this thing turned out. My brain can then say, oh, okay, well, in the past, when you have felt dejected, you've needed to talk to somebody. Right. Or, you know, get outside and walk around. It's, it's a much m- more um, accurate prediction or, or um, interpretation of what I'm feeling. Yeah. And my body doesn't need as much you know, time to sleep or. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So it's kind of like, if you can own it, if you take the time to drill down just a little bit Mm -hmm. and, and if I might add, I think this is something that's really important. A lot of people 
and I, I want to know if you agree or not, you know, or, or like, you know, what other practice you, you might suggest, but you know, I meditate, I'm getting better. I wouldn't say I'm great, but I'm getting better about having time throughout my day where I'm still, sometimes that's journaling. Sometimes that's literally just sitting around, not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And once you have that stillness, you're able to connect to what that feeling is. I feel like so many times people don't even know what they're feeling. Oh man, that's because they're so consumed with what's going on around them that you have like the perpetual to-do list. You have this, like Mm -hmm. everybody's on the hamster wheel all the time Mm -hmm. and you don't get to deal with it. Mm -hmm. So we have to force ourselves Mm -hmm. to feel those things so that our body can stop working all the time. There's this concept out there that I've, that I hear, and some people agree that it's a thing. Some, I feel like it's a controversial, maybe that's maybe too strong of a word, but like adrenal fatigue. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I was recently told by someone who was like, oh, these hormones are out of whack. You need to have more fun in your life. Yeah. And, she, and you know, when she asked like what you did for fun, I was like, well, I mean, like, I love my work. Um, <laughs> and it, it, I was struck by that because I always thought that like, of course I have fun. I have fun all the time. Mm-hmm. but I wasn't doing anything for the specific purpose of like, this is going to bring me joy or be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it took me time to sit with like, oh my God, what, what is fun for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, now that I've kind of labeled a, a, f- a few things, I'm trying to incorporate those on a regular mm-hmm. basis. So I, I just, you know, I think things like meditation and practicing stillness and breathing techniques and stuff like that can help us access those places of emotions. Do you have any other suggestions for people who are trying to like, maybe they're not so in tune with their emotions. Do you have any other suggestions for folks? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because one of the things she actually talks about a lot in this book is how to uh, refuel your Mm. body budget. And she says things like uh, meditation, yoga, exercise, um, spending time with pets. Um, mm. she's, she talks about listening to soothing music. She talks about, um, getting outside in nature. And one of the things that seems the most restorative, believe it or not, is experiencing, seeking out opportunities to experience awe. Oh, I believe it. So yeah. Believe it. Yeah. I mean, it really, it really adds, um, back to the bank account, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And we need that. And we are so busy. Um, I mean, we, we tell ourselves we're so yeah. busy that yeah. we don't, um, we, we consider it something of a luxury to slow down and just experience something mm-hmm. beautiful just for the sake of it's, you know, looking at something beautiful right. uh, rather than having a goal at the end of it. But right. um, other things like being um, among other people, sleep. Mm. She talks about sleep. Amen and to sleep. Yeah. One more thing on sleep. She says, um, you know, many times and I have so noticed this in the, in myself in the last several weeks, especially, um, we all know that like when we're tired, we do not cope well Mm -mm. with most things, but I have certainly noticed that I am much, I am much more, um, prone to, um, sadness to a feeling, um, any number of negative things, loneliness, inadequacy, all of that stuff seems, um, strikingly more, um, prevalent when I'm tired. And what she says is that, you know, 
that's actually a thing. Like when you are feeling, maybe you're feeling um, heaviness in your face. Maybe you feel tears um, welling up in your eyes. Maybe you feel um, like you don't have much energy um, and you are normally thinking, oh gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm depressed. Okay. She says, well, like, or maybe you're just tired. Like right. maybe the reason you feel like crying right now is because you're tired. And it's not, a, it's not in an effort to be dismissive. It's, it's in an effort to remind us that we are products of what we are feeling on the inside. Our bodies are always going to tell us what, you know, what's going on. We just have to pay attention to it. Wow. Um, and the thing that gives us emotion, there are two primary ingredients to emotion. One is what she what is called interoception, or the the brain's ability to to understand to know what's happening inside our bodies. Yeah. Tells us when we have a rapid heart rate or whatever. We can pick our brain picks up that information. Plus language. Mm. You need words and language in order right. to share with other people. Absolutely. Well, that's why that new book by Brene Atlas of the Heart is so good mm-hmm. because it's giving us that language that we might not otherwise have known. And I will, I mean, I know we're talking about how emotions are made, but it's, it's great to know how they're made, but it's also no, it's also awesome to know what they are because there are so many. Yes. And, um, it's, yeah. I will say that has been like this book, which I will get to, it probably won't be my spring break read. Um, <laughs> I've started to thumb through it. Cause again, it is per, for what you said earlier, it, it is very, um, scientific. Um, yes. but it has a lot of great information in it. And, you know, Atlas of the Heart, for those that are maybe not familiar with Brene Brown, she has a book out now and it does label a number of emotions. And she also has an HBO special that talks about emotions. And that, that was incredible. Um, it is so important that we do know and understand that we have many different emotions and that we're able to manage them and and communicate them with the people that we love. Yeah. And just one quick thing, if I may, um, I really, if there's some sort of divine intervention from the universe that has brought this How Emotions Are Made book um, alongside what Brene Brown is talking about in Atlas of the Heart, because it, it, you know what she's doing is it dovetails perfectly with this book. And you know the, what Brene is saying is like, wow, look at the massive array of emotional experiences we have. And by the way, that's just in English. Right. Um, there is a word, I think it's in Japanese that I, I can't remember the word, but it's the feeling, um, you have after you've had a bad haircut. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you look at like emotion words all over the world, some of them are fascinating <laughs> and so insightful because like, we don't have words for that, but wow, this feeling exists. All we need is a word. And then we're like, oh yeah, that's, I know that feeling. That is awesome. I mean, that's hysterical. Yeah. I feel like I know. I know. There's, a, there's a German word that is the, um, uh, the feeling of, um, a, a face in need of a fist. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Didn't know. Didn't I need think to research that. that. I want to put that in the show notes. <laughs> Yeah, I'll send you those words. There's so many. It's fascinating. Oh my gosh. Well, this was wonderful. I'm so glad. I love ending on that note. Oh my gosh. That is hysterical that there's a, <laughs> a, a face in need of a fist. That's really pretty yes, funny. Indeed. Um, 
but thank you so much for chatting with me today. I love this. I love you. I'm grateful you were oh. here today. I hope you'll come back and we can talk more books. I, I had this thought, I was like, wouldn't it be fun if like we talked every couple of weeks about just a new book that's come out. Cause there's oh so gosh. many good books coming out. I'm like, we could just have like a book report on here. That oh could be, my gosh. That could be like my <laughs> dream. <laughs> that is my dream. Yes. Oh my God. We might have to make that happen. I won't lie. Oh my God. Sign me up. Sign me up. I'm, I loved this conversation. I love you. I appreciate you, you and all that you're doing. Oh, Thank you sweet. so much. Thank you. All right. We'll talk next time. I hope you have a good day. You too. Thank you so much for listening to Your Empowered Evolution. It's been a pleasure to be with you today. If you ever wanted to reach out, feel free to email me at stephanie at stephaniemitchellfitness.com. You can also DM me on Instagram at Stephanie Mitchell Fitness. I'd love to stay connected. I hope you have a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening.